All summer, a fight has been brewing inside Apple. Apple is forcing most of its employees to return back to the office at least three days a week when it decides to reopen. And Apple employees who have become used to working remotely don't really want to go back to the office. Some people have quit. Some are organizing internally and creating petitions. They've started talking publicly, which is rare at Apple because it's such a private company. And they've been talking to the press, which is, again, hugely controversial and and unprecedented for Apple workers. What happens next in this battle at Apple matters. The ripple effects could impact remote work policies at all kinds of companies across the country. Recode's Shireen Ghaffari has been talking with Apple employees. She's here to tell us more. Hey, Shireen. Hey, Ronnie. So what did Apple employees tell you about their reasons for not wanting to go back to work at the office? So for a lot of people, it's about being able to not waste time commuting hours into the office, right? Especially in heavy traffic in the San Francisco Bay Area. And for other people, their lives have drastically changed during the pandemic. They have got up and moved to different areas. And for the first time, they're able to, in some cases, actually buy a house or um, live in, in basically areas that are drastically more affordable than places like San Francisco or Seattle or New York. So they can make their their salary go a lot farther. Right. So their salary is going a lot further. And more than that, they especially these days with, you know, children being at home a lot more, people want to be able to continue parenting, basically. And they're unsure if they can do that if they're going to the office all the time when it's really tenuous, right? If schools will even remain open uh, during the next couple of months, if there's another horrible COVID wave like there was last winter. Okay. So they hear about this return to work policy and they start organizing internally. How and where did that start? A lot of it happened on Slack, which is interesting. So Slack is, you know, a, an office communication tool, worker communication tool, and many companies use it. We here at Vox use it. And it's actually something that Apple didn't start using until pretty recently, um, until I believe the pandemic, because they sort of had to, right? You have to have workers who used to all come together in the office communicate far apart. So Slack was supposed to mainly be used to discuss work at hand, but it ended up being a place where workers started airing their grievances. In particular, there was this one channel called Remote Work Advocacy, where initially people were sharing tips on like, here's a really good standing desk you can make from home. Here are some resources for getting through working home during the pandemic. But then it kind of evolved into this place where people started saying, hey, how come Google's letting people work from home and we can't? And it sort of turned into this organizing hub. And so there's over 7,000 Apple employees who are in this group. It's one of the biggest Slack channels in all of Apple's internal Slacks. And you have, you know, engineers, designers, project managers, all sorts of people across the business coming to sort of coalesce and air their grievances, which is pretty unusual for Apple because it is normally quite siloed. Uh, meaning if you work on you know, one team, you may not ever talk to someone who works on a different team if they're not involved in your day-to-day job duties. So, so they're talking together for the first time, people from different departments, um, from all over Apple. Uh, right. What did these conversations lead to? So employees started swapping notes on more stuff, including issues like pay. You know, 
one worker we talked to, she started an internal survey to find out how people's salaries were varying. And they found that out of these some 2,000 people who self-reported, there was a difference between how men and women were being paid. Of course, 2,000 out of Apple, some 147,000 is a small percentage. But still, um, what you're really seeing is this increase in uh, just workers talking about issues they had never really talked about at this level before, including then these two petitions demanding more worker flexibility, even when Apple said, we're not going to let you work from home full time. The Verge published one of those petitions in June, and that was a really rare moment for this worker organizing to not only be happening internally, but then to go public. Tim Cook has addressed this issue of remote work at the recent All Hands last week, which leaked to the press, and he is not happy about. So, you know, we're just seeing this sort of grow into a bigger and bigger thorn in Apple management's side. So what ended up happening? Did management concede to their wishes? No. So, so far, not much has really changed. I mean, initially, people who wrote and signed the petition were hopeful that management may concede, especially because HR was meeting with some of the organizers to hear out their concerns. But ultimately, you know, Tim Cook said, look, uh, I know people have different opinions on this, but we are going forward uh, and this is how it is. So we've got these corporate employees at Apple organizing. Uh, what about the whole other part of its business, you know, the the retail side, the people who work in Apple stores? What are they doing? Yeah, so it's really interesting because they have joined in on this too. And by this, I mean this kind of broader worker organizing around Apple culture and Apple work issues. Now, Apple's retail employees, unlike the corporate employees, they've been working in person throughout this pandemic, right? Because they're in the store selling iPhones and helping people repair their Apple products. Uh, So their jobs are a lot more critical to do physically in the store. But they're arguing that, you know, a lot of this work maybe could be done online, that customer support or even sales stuff, now that people shop online so much, they can maybe shift some more workers to being online. I think Apple already does this to some extent, but they want more of that. At the end of the day, though, you know, that may be more unlikely for these retail workers. But what is happening and is continuing to happen is that they're actually talking for the first time, a lot of them, to corporate workers and starting to, again, compare notes and talk about bigger and bigger issues like how they're treated, how much pay they're getting, alleged incidents of harassment and discrimination among Apple retail employees. This is all now being discussed in these online groups with the corporate folks, which is is really something new. Okay, so why is Apple sort of so far unwilling to budge on this remote work policy? Why do they want people back in the office? Apple thinks that to continue to innovate like they have, that they need people in person to have these spontaneous interactions that could lead to sort of creative genius. And this is an idea that is not unique to Apple. You know, a lot of tech companies think like this, but we've seen other tech giants sort of adapt, right? And even Google and Facebook and these really in-person heavy campus tech cultures have let the employees work from home. But Apple is saying, no, mm-hmm. we need to stick to, you know, how, how it's been done. We, we created the iPhone when everyone was in the office. And so to create the next one, you have to come into the office. Right, Exactly. Uh, And, you know, if you think about it, these kinds of campuses, they have communal kitchens, centrally located bathrooms, atriums. And, you know, there have been some studies that show that if you are connecting with people outside of your immediate 
team at work that correlates to higher job performance and creativity. But as we all know, correlation does not mean causation. And it really does seem like sort of the jury's still out on whether there is any truth to what what tech executives have long said, that you have to be in person to innovate. Yeah. Or maybe a company like Apple could figure out how you could do this on a computer. <laughs> but this is also for Apple a question of practicality, right? They're, they're different than other tech companies. Right. Apple's primarily a hardware, not a software company. So the company needs to test, tinker, develop its physical products in person to some extent. I think a lot of Apple staff are also software engineers, right? And those folks see less of a reason to actually show up in person. So the Delta variant, um, like it's want to do, has thrown a wrench into Apple's plans to reopen. They don't have a set date at this point. No one should because no one knows what's going on. Um, Let's say they decide to hold their ground and say no to fully flexible work when the office does eventually open up. What, What happens then? In all likelihood, in the short term, at least, Apple's going to be fine. I mean, it's still going to be one of the most prestigious firms to work for, the most valuable company, I believe, in the world right now. So even if everyone who signed the petitions and is upset about remote work at Apple quit in response, that would still ultimately only be, you know, a small percentage of its workforce and one that Apple could try to replace. But other tech companies, they may have it harder, uh, especially ones that can't attract talent the same way that Apple can. And so if smaller firms or less sort of desirable firms to work for, if they end up being strict like Apple is and follow Apple's lead, they may lose out more. But on the other side of the coin, companies who are less strict than Apple might use this as a way to you know, compete with Apple, right? Exactly. Companies like Twitter, for example, have let anyone who wants work remotely. And it's actually been that way since even before the pandemic at Twitter, but now they are using this as a way to poach talent. And I talked to their head of HR and she said, yeah, there's a lot of tech employees who don't want to be in limbo waiting around to see what happens. They want to have the security of knowing that their employer will be flexible. So this has been a way for not just Twitter, but a bunch of other tech firms to sort of poach talent that they may not otherwise be able to get. And that's happening outside of tech too, right? Absolutely. So, you know, even companies like Citibank and Jeffrey's Group are using this in the financial world to poach talent from stricter peers like JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs. So in the short term, Apple will be fine. They might lose people on the margins. But what does this mean for the larger picture at Apple? I think in the longer term, Apple will change as a result of this. And we are already seeing that change and that it's culture of extreme secrecy has been cracked a little bit by these employees who are starting to sort of air out the company's dirty laundry about how it treats its employees. We're seeing issues like pay disparity and alleged harassment even get discussed at a a level that just has not been discussed before. So Apple may have held its ground and won the battle in the short term on its policies around remote work, but it's opened a bit of a Pandora's box for the company on on a wealth of other worker issues. This is really helpful. Thank you so much, Shereen. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks for listening to Recode Daily. I'm Ronnie Mola, and today's episode was produced by Taylor Macon and mixed by Paul Robert Mounsey. Are you frustrated by your company's remote work policies or lack thereof? Tell us about it at recodedaily at recode.net.